Welcome everyone to the Grinded Podcast. Nipsey Hussle is going to bring us in just a little bit with Grinding All My Life. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle paid the price. Want a slice, got the roll of dice, that's why. All my life, I've been grinding all my life. Uh. It's time to hit this rail we call life and grind it. Welcome back to the Grind It Podcast. just want to thank you for being a, uh, a listener. Thank you for uh, watching on YouTube. Thank you for uh, sharing this podcast with your friends and your family. It, it, it's just a way that, uh, that we can uh, help grow the kingdom together. It's a way that we can share the gospel with others. It's a way that we can uh, help people get to know Jesus. It's a, it's a way that uh, we can uh, help people to grow closer to Jesus, and that's our goal uh, and our main goal here at, at Grind It is just to, to, to encourage others to keep on keeping on, to keep grinding. And when life gets hard, when we're faced with a life challenge, we keep going. We don't give up. And, and that's what we're all about. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 5, it is our, our, our base verses. And we're covering the book of John right now. And uh, today we're going to start John 17. And I, I call this the greatest prayer ever told. And and. From John 13 to John 16, Jesus is having a, a very intimate conversation with his disciples. And he, he's basically doing most of the talking. And they'll ask a question every now and then. And, and what has happened is uh, it, it's, the, it's time for the Passover. And, and it's time for Jesus to die on the cross. And this is just like the night before. And he has washed the disciples' feet and... He has said when they sit down for supper that there's a murderer among them and they begin to freak out and they want to know who's who's the murderer. I mean, how could anybody out of this group of 12 men be a murderer, especially after what Jesus has done? And so they want to know who it is. And Jesus says, it's the one who dips uh, the bread in the bowl with me. And of course, we know that it's Judas. And he tells Judas, he says, you just go do what you have to do and do it quickly. And so the 11 men that are left in the room, they're freaking out. And Jesus is trying to calm them down. And, and, and he's telling them that he's going to have to leave. And, and, but he's going to send a comforter. And in their minds, they just, and he even tells me, he says, I got more to tell you, but you're just not able to handle it right now. And, and, he, and he understood that. And so he has this intimate talk with them. Uh, through these three or four chapters, and then he tops it off at the very end, what we're fishing to talk about today, this prayer. And and so at the end of John 16, they confess to Jesus that they they finally believe that he is from God. And, and they, they, they really don't have a full grasp of the concept. They don't really have a full grasp of, of, of who Jesus is. And, and, and what is going to take place and what's going to be happening in the days to come. But they finally understand and they tell Jesus, we believe you are who you say you are. You know, Peter even made the confession, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He said that way back in what, Matthew 16, Matthew 17. And, and it's, it, they, they come all this time and they can't really wrap their heads around uh, what's going on and, and who God is, but they tell Jesus, hey, we, we finally believe that you came from God. And Jesus says, okay, well, since you, you finally believe it, then it leads Jesus into this prayer. 
And we get this prayer in John 17, and you can read the, the prayer for yourself. But I'm calling it the greatest prayer that's ever said because it, it it's all in red, and it, it, which means it's coming from the mouth of Jesus. And what's so awesome about this prayer is that it's for the disciples in that room, the 11 that are left. But not only is it for those 11 disciples that are left in that room, but it's also for us. It's the night before... Jesus was going to the cross and was going to suffer one of the most crucial, painful, horrific deaths a person could go through. He had you and me on his mind. And to me, that, that, that's just amazing. He was thinking of not himself and what he's about to go through, but he's thinking of these 11 men and how they're going to have to carry out the kingdom. And then he's also thinking about you and me. And that, that, that's just, it's pretty cool. And so let's break down this, this prayer. And it's going to take a couple of podcasts to get through this. So uh, we'll continue in the next one. Uh, we'll start with uh, in verse 1 through 5. And, I, and I'm just going to break it down in, in paragraphs. Jesus says, after saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can ha- uh, give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. The first thing that I want to point out before we just dig deep into this prayer, is that Jesus looked up to heaven, toward heaven, and prayed. He didn't bow his head. He didn't close his eyes. He didn't gather the disciples into a little circle and and hold hands and and sing kumbaya. No, he looked up to heaven, never closed his eyes, and he just started praying to the father and i don't i guess it's because of tradition because i i can't find one verse in the bible that says we have to bow our heads and close our eyes to say a prayer and how many church services have you been how many uh, uh home bible studies have you been in how, how many small groups have you been in how many how many uh, uh prayer meetings have you been in where you know they start off by saying okay y'all bow your heads Close your eyes and, and let's pray. Um, there, there's, there's really no biblical uh, basis behind that, as far as I know. I haven't seen any scriptures that, that Jesus, you know, or God says, hey, you got to bow your head and you got to close your eyes uh, to say a prayer. The only thing that, I, that I'm aware of is Jesus tells us where to pray and he tells us how to pray. He tells us to pray in our closets in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. And what he means by, he don't mean literally go into a closet, pray, although, you know, that would be a good place to go because what he is saying is get away from distractions. Get get away from anything that's going to be bothering you while you're trying to focus on praying to me or praying to the Father through me. Because when we go uh, into prayer, then we are going straight to the throne of God. So it's very important that, that we are focused and and one of the I, I like to to pray. I have a forty minute drive from my house to the first store that I service over in Knoxville, 
and uh, that that's my prayer time. The radio's off, and every morning, but when I as soon as I leave the driveway and and I see you know that there's no traffic coming, I, I'm in prayer mode. And obviously, I can't close my eyes because I'm driving, so my eyes stay open. But there's there's no distractions. It's just me, and and the road. And there's I, I leave so early in the morning. There's there's very few cars on the road, and so it, it's just it's focusing on on God and 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 God. Here is my prayer. And and the other thing that Jesus gives us is a model of how to pray in Matthew six nine through thirteen. And he says, he even starts out, he says, this is how you should pray. And so, and you can hear sermons or you can look up, you can Google uh, the model prayer and and people have have broken that down very well. But we are never told that we have to bow our heads and and close our eyes. I I don't even know where that tradition started, but people do it and and, and I respect it. Um, But nowhere does it say that, you have to do that, and and, and there's a lot of times, uh, especially in church settings, that that uh, I keep my eyes open. I I, do, I don't close my eyes, uh, and there's several reasons for that, but uh, I just don't do it. And I, I don't know how you feel about it, and you know, and it's it's really, you know, I guess it's not that big of a deal. Um, but I just thought it was interesting when I first started reading this chapter to study for these podcasts that it said that Jesus looked up toward heaven and started praying and I thought that was just, so I just wanted to talk about that just just for a few minutes so he, he 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 looks up to heaven and he starts praying and he says basically this he says father it's time to get this done be glorified now that's interesting because to me God has been glorified ever since Jesus uh Jesus's ministry began at the baptism of John because you remember the dove came down out of heaven and landed on Jesus. He had told John, the one you see, whom you see the, the, the dove land on, that, that that's that's my son. That that's the Messiah. That's the one that you've been looking for, that people have been looking for for hundreds and hundreds of years. This is God in the flesh. And, and, and so when he started his miracles in John chapter 2 by turning the water into wine, and he got his disciples uh in that setting and, and told them what was going on and showed him. It showed them that he is the Son of God, that he is the Messiah, the one they've been looking for all this time. From To me, it seems to me that from that point on that God was already being glorified through Christ. But now here he is, he, he's about to go to the cross. He's about to carry the, the weight of all of our sin, every sin that you could ever imagine that man has committed, the penalty of that sin is about to be put on Jesus, a man who has never sinned, not one time, because he couldn't have sinned. If he had sinned, he couldn't have been our Passover lamb. But he was. He was the perfect lamb. He he was our sacrifice, and he paid the penalty. He paid the price for our sin. And so he is asking the Father, he says, let's get this done, and through this, be glorified. And he says, you have given, you have given all authority uh, over everyone to me. Uh, and this is interesting because at this time, Judas has left, right? He has dipped the bread in, uh, in the bowl with Jesus and he has left the room and he's gone to get his 30 pieces of silver. And at this moment, 
Judas is thinking in his mind that he has authority or power, if you will, over Jesus because he is fixing to sell Jesus out and deliver him with this little militia of men, uh, this little army of men to, uh, to, they're coming to arrest Jesus to take him uh, to, to, the, to the priest or to the Jewish leader so they can do what, whatever they want to with him. So Judas thinks that he has authority or power uh, over Jesus. And then when he's delivered to the religious leaders, they think they have authority over Jesus. They always thought they had authority over Jesus because they were the representatives of God. They were the Pharisees. They were the scribes. They were the Sadducees. And, and people would look to them. They have always had authority. They, they, they wanted to sit in Moses' seat in the synagogue. They wanted that place of honor. They wanted that place of authority. And they thought the whole time that Jesus was alive, that they had authority over Jesus, that they had power over Jesus. And, and they thought they were doing God a favor by uh, arresting Jesus and having him uh, crucified, having him killed. And then when he's, you know, he, he's passed on, he, he's betrayed by Judas, who thought he had power over Jesus. He, he, he's uh, given over to the Roman authorities by the religious leaders to be crucified. And so they, they're thinking they have authority over Jesus. They're thinking they have power over Jesus. And now he's being delivered to Pilate. And, and, and Pilate says uh, he thinks that he has because he's, you know, he is the Roman leader. He has power. He has authority, and he has Jesus in his hands. Basically, that he can do uh, whatever he wants to with Jesus. He can set him free, or he can have him crucified. And and listen to what John nineteen seven through twelve says. It says the Jewish leaders replied, "By our law, he ought to die because he called himself the Son of God." When Pilate heard this, he was more frightened than ever. He took Jesus back into the headquarters again and asked him, Where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. Why don't you talk to me, Pilate demanded. Don't you realize that I have the power to release you or crucify you? Then Jesus said, You would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above, from my Father. So the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. You see, Jesus truly meant what he said in John 10, 18. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily, for I have the authority to lay it down when I want and to also take it up again. For this is what my Father has commanded. See, this is what's so cool about Jesus. He says, Father, be glorified, and you have given me authority over everyone. Jesus, even though these people thought they had authority and thought they had a power over Jesus, they had no power. They had no control over Jesus. He could speak one word and have them turn into a frog or, or, or turn into an elephant or be dead, whatever he wanted. He had the authority and power to do so. He had the authority and the power to say no. He didn't have to die on the cross for our sins, but he did. Because he knew that was the only way our sins could be forgiven. And he says Father, it's time to get this done. Be glorified. Let's take a break. My name is Dinah Grace Hawk, and I started a movement of empowerment. I focus on Revelation 12:11, which states that we will overcome, conquer, and defeat him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And we will not love our own lives, even unto death. See, sharing testimony squashes pride. 
It empowers, it strengthens, it encourages, and it heals. This whole movement is focused on sharing our testimony, our walk with the Lord, how He's using us in this life to empower others to do the same. By doing this, we will overcome anything that this world can throw at us because we are covered by the blood of the Lamb. Every week from now till the end of the year, I'll be highlighting a different woman in the ministry and they're going to share their testimony. Tune in every Saturday at 7 p.m. Eastern, either on Facebook or Instagram at Dinah Grace Hawk, and you get to be a part of this movement too. I'll see you there. So Jesus says, I, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. He hasn't completed it yet because he hasn't died on the cross yet. But he knows within just a few hours, it's over with. It's done. And that's why he cries out from the cross, it is finished. And so he says, now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. You see, Jesus left eternity where there was no time. And he stepped into his creation, a, a world, if you will, that is controlled by time. He left a place of perfection, and he came into a world of imperfection, marred by sin. And he is a man who never sinned one time. And like I said a while ago, he couldn't have been our Passover lamb if he had sinned. And so he's, he's te he tells the Father, he says, Father, get me back to where I belong. You know, it's kind of like E.T. phone home. You know, E.T. E. wanted to get home back in the 80s. And Jesus is saying, look, I, I've been away from you uh for over 30 years now, I came as a baby, I've grown into a man, and I, 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 I've done your will, I have fulfilled your purpose, get me home where I belong, get me back to heaven. And and Peter preached on that uh, that first sermon on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, verses 32 through 36, and listen to what he says. He says, God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of the highest honor in heaven, get this, at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, as you see and hear today. For David himself never descended into heaven. Yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies and make them a footstool under your feet. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Christ or Lord and Messiah. See, the Jews, they, they loved and respected King David. That, and, and they knew that the Messiah would come through the lineage of David, that he, that he would sit on the throne of David. But they thought that the Messiah would be this royal kingly man who you know, just you know, that looked apart and that he would literally sit on the throne of David and deliver the Jewish nation, the Jews or the Israelites, out of uh, the uh, Roman oppression. And so Jesus didn't fit the part to them. And that's why they had such a hard time believing that Jesus was the Messiah because he was just a normal, everyday man. And, and, and so... Uh, Peter says, this Jesus whom you crucify, he came here to, to, to die for you and, and, and he was among you all this time and he's done all these great things for you and yet you continue to reject him and now you've, you've crucified the very uh, Messiah, the one that we've been looking for for hundreds of years. You, you've killed him. And, and, and so he says that when Jesus died, 
and that he was resurrected and he ascended back to heaven, he is now sitting at the Father's right hand. He is sitting in a place of honor. He is back with his Father, and the Father has given him all authority in heaven and on earth. In Matthew 28, 18, that's exactly what Jesus says. He, he came and he told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And then we have verses 6 through 8. Where Jesus says, I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours, Father. You gave them to me and they kept your word. Now they know everything that I, ha that I have is a gift from you. For I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and, now, uh, and know that I came from you and they believe you sent me. You see, here's the thing about Jesus. Everything that Jesus did, he had a purpose. Every miracle, starting with the changing of water into wine to raising Lazarus from the dead, had a purpose. Every time that Jesus taught in the synagogues, in the streets, to a little group of people, or to a large group of people, every time he taught, there was a purpose. For three years... He did all these things on behalf of the disciples because he was pouring himself into these, these 12 men. He was trying to teach them about the, the kingdom that is coming and has now come because Jesus started the kingdom. And, and he knew that they were going to be taking his place when he ascended back to heaven. And, and so he was trying to teach them and to tell them and to show them the Father. And, and, and about the kingdom and how they would be taking over uh, in his place. So he always had a purpose for everything that he did. And so he, 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 he tells them, every time you've seen me, you, you've seen the Father. And that's why you know Thomas asked him, show us the Father. And, and Jesus says, look, you've seen me. You should know the Father because I am the exact representation of my Father. I am God in the flesh. He says, the works that you see me do, that, those works were done by my Father through me. The teachings that you hear, they're from the Father. I don't, I don't teach on my own. I don't say the things that I want to say. I say what the Father gives me to say. I teach what the Father gives me to teach. And so he, he, had, he had told this on, on several occasions. And in John 1.18, John says, no one has ever seen God, but the unique one, who is himself God, talking about Jesus, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. You see, Jesus did all this stuff. He did all those miracles. He taught all those lessons so that these men would know the Father and that they would live for him. Like I said, he was preparing to take, uh, to, to, for them to take over the kingdom and, and, and to grow it. And that's why he says in verse 8, he says, For I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you, and they believe you sent me. And this would be the main focus of Jesus' prayer for these 11 disciples that, that are going to be left to build God's kingdom. Even though they had a lot of hiccups along the way, just like we do, you know, they were, they were still men, even though they were full of the Holy Spirit, even though they had Jesus Christ living inside of them, and they could work miracles, they were still people. 
And you would see, uh, uh, just for an example, one that comes to the top of my head, uh, when Pete, uh, Paul and Barnabas are on a mission trip and they're, they're starting these churches, and then they go back and visit these churches, but they get in a very heated argument. And these are two guys who have worked beside each other. They're both full of the Holy Spirit. They're both full of Jesus. They love Jesus. They're serving Jesus. And their prayer, I mean, their their uh, argument got so heated that they had to separate from one another. And they didn't see each other for a little while down the road when they finally did work things out. And then you have the example of uh, of Paul. And he, he's in there with, with Peter. And he's watching how uh, Peter and these other Jews are, are reacting when these uh, Jewish people came into the room because there was Gentiles in the room. And when those Jews came in, Peter separated himself from the Gentiles. And Paul said, I had to get in Peter's face and let him know real fast that he was wrong uh, for, for doing uh, the way he was acting. So even though they were full of the Holy Spirit, they still had hiccups along the way, just like you and I do. Because even though we, we, are, we strive to live for Christ on a daily basis, it does not mean that we will never sin again. We're still human, and we still make bad choices, and we still do stupid things, and we still make wrong choices, and, and, and we sin. We're still sinners. But the, the goal is to be like Christ as much as possible and continue to work on it on a daily basis. And as we work to be more like Christ, we share Christ with others. And that's what he was pouring himself into these disciples so they could do just that because he knew that he was going back to heaven and that they were going to have to take his place and, and, and they would be put in charge. And, and, and so uh, he says, hey, I gave, I gave them your message. They accepted it and they know that I came from you, Father, and they believe that you sent me. And so this, this prayer in John 16 it starts to really focus in on these 11 men that are going to be taking the place of Jesus. In, uh, in John 6, Jesus looked, uh, let me back up. As I said, even though they had a lot of hiccups along the way until this point, Jesus says they accepted the message and they believed God sent him. And this is evident because they left everything behind to follow Jesus. They, they left their jobs. They left their families uh, they left their love. They they left everything to follow this man who didn't even have a place to live. He wandered around like a nomad, and they would follow him everywhere he went. And, and they left everything to follow Jesus. And Jesus had many other disciples. Many a disciple is simply a follower. And at one point, when we studied in John, they were following Jesus because he had fed them with the fish. And in John 6, he told them that, that uh, you know, they got to eat his body and drink his blood. And they started freaking out. And they're like, man, this, uh, this guy's nuts. And so they turned away and didn't follow anymore. And Jesus looks at, at, at the 12 disciples that's been following him ever since his ministry began. He says, you're going you gonna to turn away too? You're going to leave me too? And Peter says, Lord, to whom will we go to? You have the words that, uh, of eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. So Jesus prays intimately to the Father. He wants to be glorified. He wants to be back home where he belongs in heaven. 
but he also knows that he is leaving these men in charge. And so he begins to pray to the Father, Lord, protect these men, take care of these men, fill these men, teach these men with your truth. And we'll get to that in the next podcast. But he intimately prays on their behalf. And we'll see in the next podcast, he also intimately prays for you and me. And my prayer for you today is that no matter what you're going through, no matter what choices you have made, no matter where you're at, pick up the pieces and continue or start following Christ. He has died for you. He has paid the price of your sin and for my sin. We are forgiven and we are filled with His Holy Spirit. And He prayed for us 2,000 years ago that you and I would be fruitful for His kingdom and that we would fulfill His purpose. Are we doing that? Are we walking with Jesus? Are we sharing Jesus? He loves us. He prayed for us. Let's do what He asks us to do. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Grind It Podcast today. You can send any questions or comments to grinditpodcast at gmail.com. Please join us next time, and when a challenge comes your way, just my, grind it. Been grinding all my life, sacrifice, hustle, pay the price, want a slice, got to roll the dice, that's why, all my life, I've been grinding all my life, all my life.